Blog Talk Radio. Paleo Hebrew, 
I am your host, your brother, your friend, as always, Taza Pa, and welcome to another edition of Bible Talk. I want to send shouts out to my uh, brother in righteousness, Mighty Mashaba, for hooking up the broadcast, uh, for making these these things all possible, man, that we've been doing here at uh, Bible Talk for over the past 10 years. So a uh, big shout out to you, brother. Um, Join this evening, y'all, by Hasadiah. She is back in the building. Shut up. So y'all ain't got to listen to me butcher words. <laughs> mm. Excuse me, y'all. I'm on this tea. It is very good. I want to send shouts out to our, all our affiliated schools, uh, the brothers here in San Antonio, for the truth. The brothers up in VA, Kazaki and the crew. Uh, the brothers also in Rochester, New York, Zadnala. Uh The brothers down in H-Town, led by Quattro Zop. Shouts out to our brothers and sisters in Cali, Atlanta, Canada, and uh, Albuquerque. And shouts out to Kawakab down in Guatemala. Um, and shouts out to the 12 tribes that are scattered. Worldwide, y'all. If it's your first time tuning into the show, I do about an hour of news, current events, or Taza um, Pa's soapbox before I get into the class, um, which man, I ain't even say we're going to finish it this evening because I know we ain't. Um, but the class is titled Never Wax Pale Feast of Light, part four, y'all. We would definitely get into that shortly, but first, we'll get into some uh, news and current events. <laughs> But before we do all of that, let's go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is the prayer we need to be sending up on a daily, y'all, so we can get the hell on up out of this demonic place, man. It's worse by the day. All right, let's get Psalm chapter 124, verse 18, please, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That's the truth. Good or bad, happy or sad. The most I brought you to it, he'll bring you through it, and you'll come out better on the other side because of it. Please believe me. All right, y'all. It's been a hectic day, um, but it's all to the good, man. Over the weekend, I was uh, fortunate enough to hang out with the kids a little bit. We went and we saw uh, the movie, man. The Book of Clarence, man. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Man, I know now. Great movie, man. I wish I had that uh, Eddie Murphy soundbite. Delirious when he said you could see Rocky. <laughs> exactly. Great <laughs> movie. The movie was excellently written, man. And the reason I'm saying this, I'll check the movie out. Please go see it. I'm not a uh, – yeah, I am. Go, go support the brothers and sisters, man. First of all, 
I'm always excited to see our people on the on the big screen because we ain't on the big screen enough, and especially to see us on the big screen portrayed in a positive way. So the whole cast, y'all, basically the whole cast, is black, except for the Romans, <laughs> except for the Romans. So they actually got the cast right. So that's what lured me in um, initially. But then I go and I'm checking the movie out, man, and I say it was actually written, excellently written because what the brother did was he portrayed the movie as a spoof, a spoof on Christ, right? And when y'all see the previews and such, don't let the previews throw you off or to say it's some BS or to say it's blasphemy. I know some of us Israelites have a tendency to be morally righteous or they're mocking the most how they're mocking the scriptures angle. Nah, get, get your mind out of that, man. Come, come down to us human beings level. <laughs> Since you holier than thou, mighty than thou, come down to our level and go check the flick out, man. Don't, do not let the commercials, the uh, promotion for the movie, deter you from going to see it. In the movie, what basically happens is they have this brother go through everything that Christ went through everything that Yahushua went through, and man, is it was really something to watch. Um, it wasn't as graphic as the Passion of Christ, but it was like maybe halfway there. But what I was really focused on is they they stuck to the scriptures, man. As far as the cast as far as how our people act, because they did have our people turning him in and him going through what Yahushua went through. The reason I said it was cleverly written is because whoever put this together couldn't come out openly and just have Christ being a black Messiah going through this because it would have never made it to the big screen. It would have never made it. And y'all know I'm telling the truth because here recently, it's been uh, other uh, other portrayals of us in historic, historic characters, and it's always been some type of protest behind it because they like, nah, you niggas ain't got no history. <laughs> nah, you niggas, y'all just slaves and, and basketball players and football players and uh, baseball players and actors and rap niggas. That's all y'all do. Every time they portray one of us in historical events, but um, that's what impressed me, the way he wrote it. And it's got a lot of subliminal, a lot of subliminal messages uh, written into it. And it's, it's the type of subliminal messages that if you know, you know. But if you don't know, you don't know. You're going to get it. It's going to go right, right over your head. It reminds me of an old school movie. Uh, back in the day, Spike Lee made a movie called Bamboozle. I don't know if y'all are familiar with it or if you've seen it, but... Uh, his that movie there, excellent movie as well, had a lot of subliminal things written into it. So go take the movie out, y'all. I'm gonna get off my uh, promotion of the movie now. Go check it out, man. And the cast is good too, man. Good cast, good actors. Rapai and Thawi when he checked it out with me. You got anything you want to say on the movie, Rapai? No. Ain't got nothing to say. Nothing. 
Nothing, huh? It was a good movie. What was good about it? The movie was just good. What was good about it, Rafa? <laughs> it was just a good movie to watch. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you remind me of right now? That interview that Rasheed Wallace did years back. <laughs> After a game that they, uh, I think they lost that game. They was asking us about the game. He just kept saying, both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. <laughs> that should remind me, oh, it was a good movie. Why was it a good movie? Well, it's just because it was a good movie. Stop. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Let's get into um, these articles right quick. <laughs> Let me see where I want to begin. Let's start here, man. And I want to send shouts out, man. I already sent shouts out to the 12 Triscatter Worldwide. And I want to send a shout out to uh, IUIC, man. Uh, I was watching a little, uh, I guess it was a Sabbath class. I didn't watch all of it. I'm going to go back later and check it out. But uh, Bishop uh, Nathaniela was coming with some really, really great information, man. And some of it I want to share with y'all. And then I found other information to add on to uh, what he had dropped on me. So uh, where are we at, Hasbar? From theintercept.com, CNN runs Gaza, Gaza coverage past Jerusalem team operating under shadow of IDF censor. All right. Um, the IDF, what is the damn people, Israelite? Defense uh, Force, I believe that's what it stands for. So basically, CNN had to run their broadcast past these small hat people in order to get clearance from them that it was okay to give to the public. Now, I brought this out, man. I keep bringing out, other brothers bring out as well, how the small hats run everything, and they censor everything. Don't think that um, the, the stuff that we hear about, especially right now, man, it's a circus going on in Congress, man. <laughs> and I was uh, watching a little bit of that, too, about, uh, what is her name, Marjorie Green, Green? Taylor Green? Mm-hmm. She pulling out uh, <laughs> penis pics of um, Hunter Biden. At they meeting, man, to where they had to uh, reread the rules to her. They called it uh, revenge porn. I don't know if y'all heard about that. But it's a circus right now going on, man. But um, to get back to my point, man, I don't think just because um, these people are from the different parties and uh, they have different views and different ideologies on uh, politics and the, the – the, um, the, the uh, trajectory of this country or where this country's going, don't think it's a, us, it's a us against them and all this other nonsense that they'll have you to believe because behind all of it, who controls all of it is the small hats, y'all. So continue with this. The Jerusalem Bureau has long reviewed all CNN stories relating to Israel and Palestine. 
Now it's helping shape the network's coverage of the war. It's reported January 4th, 2024. Whether reporting from the Middle East, the United States, or anywhere else across the globe, every CNN journalist covering Israel and Palestine must submit their work for review by the News Organizations Bureau in Jerusalem prior to publication under a long-standing CNN policy. So this ain't nothing new. <laughs> They've been doing it. So who who controls the world? It's the small heads, y'all. I hope y'all are seeing this. Right, let's get the next article. Um, what does that say right there? Yeah, what does that say? CNN news. That's the coverage of the world. That's the one. What is this one next to it? What is Israel experience, penal plan, and why government? Okay. And what is this one right there? News sports. And this one. Antiochus. And this one. My name. That ain't the one. Okay. What my missing one? What does that one say? What is Israel's Ben Gurion Canal? What now? And this one. That's from the Guardian, right? Mm-hmm. I'm missing. I'm gonna try to find the other one, y'all. But let's get this one right. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Here. Okay. From NewArab.com. What is Israel's Ben Gurion Canal plan, and why Gaza matters? Reported November 17, 2023. All right, so what this is going over, y'all, is Israel's plan for this uh, Ben, what's his, how you pronounce his name? Gorian Canal. And Ben Gorian is uh, famous for being the so-called uh, forefather of is the land, the state of Israel being established in 1948. So go ahead. Matter of fact, hold on for a second, y'all.
All right, y'all, we are back. Sorry about that. Uh, where are we at? What is Israel's Ben-Gurion Canal plan and why Gaza matters? As, as Israel intensifies its Gaza onslaught, focus turns to the controversial Ben-Gurion Canal project, originally proposed in the 1960s as an alternative to the Suez Canal. So what this canal is is an alternative to the Suez Canal. So the Suez Canal is, if you're unfamiliar with it, is right in uh, what they refer to as the Middle East. And it's on the um, the western side, I believe, of um, I believe it's the Mediterranean and the Red Sea right there. It's on the, the west side, oh no, on the east side, and um, no, it's on the west side. It is. It's on the west side. And what they're proposing to do is they're proposing to build this new canal on the uh, east side of the uh, Suez Canal. Now, the reason they're proposing to do this is because the Suez Canal is uh, pretty much controlled by the Arab world. So, the Arabs, they'll use this canal, the Suez Canal, as leverage over the West. But if they were to build another canal that was controlled by the small hats, then the small hats could use that to basically dominate the world because a lot of trade is coming from the East making its way to the West. All right, so read on. As Israel continues its onslaught on the besieged Gaza Strip, talks about a long-discussed economic opportunity known as the Ben-Gurion Canal Project have surfaced online. Named after Israel's founding father, David Ben-Gurion, the project conceived in the late 1960s sought to create an alternative route to the Suez Canal, the primary shipping route connecting Europe and Asia. So the Suez Canal connects Europe to Asia. Once again, y'all, a lot of trade comes through there. This is how we get a lot of our uh, grains, a lot of our foods, a lot of raw materials are coming from the east. You, you know, if, you, if you're sitting up tipping on some tea or you got some herbs or some spices, chances are it came from the east, came from Asia, from China, came from India, those countries over there. I don't know if y'all uh, remember, but they were talking about how the war with Russia and Ukraine would cut off the grain supply to most of the world because a lot of grain is produced in um, Ukraine. Read on. While Israel rejects calls for a ceasefire and its military campaign on Gaza shows no sign of an immediate end, it becomes crucial to delve into the historical context of the Ben-Gurion Canal project, its proposed significance, and the intricate geopolitics surrounding the Suez Canal. Now, this is the one I want to get. Um, it's from Forbes. <clears throat> Matter of fact, I'll just have you read it off of here. Yeah. Tell them where you read from. Okay. From Forbes.com, shipping is halted in the Red Sea and at the Suez Canal. All right, give the date on that. 
Dated December 20th, 2023. So this was last month. And I don't know if y'all heard about this, about the um, the Suez Canal being closed. Uh, and in addition to this, um, you have these, um, oh, man, I forgot what the people are called. They're calling the pirates. But um, they're supposedly uh, sponsored by Iran. And what they've been doing is they've been basically pirating ships, <laughs> in particular uh, fuel fuel ships that are headed for the uh, for the west. They've been basically pirating ships and uh, stopping a lot of trade that's been going on in the Suez Canal. I forgot the name of the the group, um, but they have ties to Iran. They, that's what they're saying. And a lot of stuff is, and that's why those uh, strikes were going on in, in Yemen. I don't know if y'all been paying attention to that, but uh, that's been going on, and um, all of this uh, compound with the uh, Suez Canal being shut down, and we already know that the small hats want to build another canal, and this is the reason that they had to go into the Gaza Strip because their plan is to completely completely demolish <laughs> demolish the Gaza Strip, tear it up, so when they start the construction on it, <laughs> they can do it quicker because <laughs> most of the demolition will already be done. This is why you keep hearing about them dropping those bombs and bombing the hell out of the Gaza Strip. They're actually doing demolition. <laughs> While the people are still there. While the people are still there. Damn. They don't care. They try to do demolition so they can speed up the project. I I knew it was something behind this. I just didn't know what it was. But but now the truth is coming out, which uh, makes you scratch your head on the reports that, I don't know if y'all was getting, but I've seen them, that the small hats had set this whole thing up from the very beginning so they could have a reason to go in and bomb the way they bomb it. And this is why they ain't listening to the UN. This is why um, that damn trial, that that circus of a trial they had, I think it might be still going on last week, where uh, I think it was Egypt and other African nations were bringing uh, the small hats up on trial for genocide in, in the Gaza Strip. This is why there's been no, rep, uh, no uh, repercussions for them doing that because they run everything and the, and everybody knows the powers that be knows their plan to create this new canal so they can corner the globe more than they already have cornered it all right so reading on in this article many major ocean carriers have halted their ships from entering the red sea following the lead of mark and hapag lloyd in suspending operation after the projectile attack from the Yemen-based Houthi militia. Here it is. It's the Houthi militia. They're the ones that's in the uh, Mediterranean, in the Red Sea, causing havoc right now. You know? As carriers reroute their goods, the Hong Kong-based OOCL and Taiwan-based Evergreen have also temporarily stopped accepting cargo to and from Israel until further notice. So you got all this cargo bagged up. Y'all remember uh, the pan- during the pandemic, they had all that all those cargo crates packed up in California that they couldn't move 
and when nobody getting no stuff delivered to them, it's the same thing that's going on now. Now, you have to keep this in mind. The Arabs already have basically control over their area and control over what comes and goes. So this whole move with the small hats and bombing the hell out of Gaza to build this new canal is a power play to remove the Arabs out of power to where they have to negotiate with them. See, it's deeper than what we thought. We thought it was just all this genocide, the small hats going against the Arabs and trying to kill the Arabs off. It's way deeper than that. Is there more to that? Yeah. Read on. The suspension came as two more commercial vessels were under fire on Monday with the MSC Clara and Norwegian oil tanker Swan Atlantic both attacked with naval drones, originally from Yemen territory. The Houthis claimed responsibility for both incidents. No crew members were injured on the Swan Atlantic. So it, it's about to go down, man. I know other brothers been bringing this out, man. We are on the brink of a world war, man, World War Three. The scriptures tell us that uh, the first and the second war has passed. The third war, war is coming quickly, quicker than what we believe, y'all. All right, y'all. And I, I do want to apologize, too, man, because I didn't get a chance to really uh, go into these articles and do extensive research. I just did a little bit, y'all. I ran out of time. So I do apologize for that. Plus, I do want to get to the class. So we're going to take a brief intermission real quick, y'all. And we're going to come back with the class. So I'll be right back, y'all.
All right, y'all. We are back. So this is the second half of the class titled Feast of Lights, man. This is part four of a series I've been doing on the Feast of Lights, also known as Hanukkah or the Feast of Dedication. Man, did I just lose my... No, here it is right here. Cool. So uh, what I've been doing is bringing out uh, what Hanukkah is about, why do we celebrate Hanukkah, um, and just giving um, a history of it and all the characters involved from, a, um, like I said, a historical uh, point of view. So last week we were in the book of Daniel, and we were talking about the uh, abomination of desolations, which we're going to touch on a little bit this week as well. Um so let's jump back into it, and let's start at this article here. Tell them where you're reading from. And I just want this sentence right here. Mm-hmm. Yep. From the fourth Epiphanes, the king of Syria, captured Jerusalem in 167 B.C. and desecrated the temple by offering the sacrifice of a pig on an altar to Zeus, the abomination of desolation, in seeking to prohibit Judaism and Hellenize the Jews, Antiochus forbade their religious practices and commanded that copies of the law be burned. So this is Antiochus Epiphanes, or Antiochus Epiphanes the fourth. Now, it was a, a long line of these, um, I guess, Antiochians, that lineage, part of the Seleucid dynasty. But uh, this is talking about Antiochus IV, which did put up the statue of a pig in the temple. I'm sorry, the statue of uh, Zeus in the temple was worshipping swine's flesh on the altar. Now, uh, let's get Matthew chapter 24 and read verse 15. Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Matthew 24 and 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Now this was Christ saying, when you see this that was spoken of by Daniel the prophet, you need to stand in the holy in the holy place. Read. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Whoso readeth, let him understand. But if you don't understand the book of Daniel, because you're one of those uh, New Testament-only people, then you have no idea what Christ is talking about. But what went on, uh, what he's talking about in the book of Daniel is uh, Epiphanes, Antiochus Epiphanes IV, as well as this. Let's get this right here. Oh, I might be on this one. Hold on, y'all. Give me just a second. Mm-hmm. 
bear with me. I'm looking for it. I lost it. Let me see if I can type in here so it'll just come up. There we go. All right. So read that again in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Stand in the holy place. Now, this is in the New Testament. Now, remember the abomination of desolation, and we're going to go over and get into it, too, was Antiochus Epiphanes putting that um, statue up of Zeus and worshiping swine on the altar. That's the abomination of desolation. But remember, this was after all of that had happened. So this prophecy was the prophecy to come, which is this right here. Read, them, read this and tell them where you read from. From PBS.org, the Roman Empire in the first century, Philo. Now jump down to where it says new gods, a new god. Okay. Caligula did not give them a warm welcome. Now, it's talking about the emperor, the Caesar, Caligula. It says he did not give them a warm welcome, meaning us. It's talking about the Jews, the Israelites. Read. He mocked the Jews and their beliefs. To the point where the Jewish leaders thought they would be executed. Thought they would be what? Executed. Read. In fact, they escaped only to find out that Caligula had ordered a statue that portrayed himself as a god. He did what? Ordered a statue that portrayed himself as a god. Does this sound familiar? We already read. Who else did something like this? Antiochus Epiphany did the exact same thing. Remember, y'all, the Roman Empire and the Greek Empire were basically one and the same. That's why, it was, that's why it's referred to as the Greco-Roman Empire. They're the same people. They worship the same deities. Read on. He planned to put it up in the temple at Jerusalem. Read. The temple was the most sacred place for Jews. A statue of Caligula placed there was a sin against the Jewish faith and was bound to cause more riots. Philo wrote that the Jewish elders swore to die on the spot rather than see their temple defiled. Sound familiar? <laughs> this is what the Maccabees did. They rather died than to see the temple defiled. Hold this and give me uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 9. Ecclesiastes 1, 9. And, and you know what else gives me about this, man? Is this how you know people really don't read the Bible? Because they'll tell you that Christ died for all of the nations. <laughs> how could he die for a nation that desecrated the temple of the Most High? Why, why would he do that? That would make no sense at all. Read this. The thing that hath been... It is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, 
and there is no new thing under the sun. There is nothing new under the heavens. Antiochus Epiphanes put the statue up in our temple. Caligula did the exact same thing. I hope y'all seeing this. Read on. Mm-hmm. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new, <laughs> been already of old time? There's nothing you could say that's new that's been, that, that hasn't already been. And this is how we know that there is a such thing as reincarnation. <laughs> this dude didn't just have that idea just pop up into his head. This dude was probably uh, manifest, reincarnated as Caligula. I'm talking about Antiochus. That would have been enough distance. <laughs> it says every three or four generations, right? Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, there's nothing new under the sun. So Antiochus Epiphany put Zeus up. Uh, Caligula put a statue of himself up in the temple of Jerusalem. These other nations who hated the Jews, who people who run around talking about Christ died for, makes no sense. Anyway, let's get Josephus, uh, page 323. And for y'all, it's uh, book 12, chapter 5, paragraph 4. You got the blue, uh, Josephus, is page 323, and we're going to start at, what paragraph is Paragraph 5. Hold on, wait a minute. No, paragraph 4. So right here. Came to pass after two years in the 145th year, on the 25th day of that month, which is called, which is by us called Kazlu, and by the Macedonians, Apelius, in the 153rd Olympiad. Now, this month, Kazlu, was actually December when you look it up. So this is when this was going on. Read. That the king came up to Jerusalem and pretending peace, he got possession of the city by treachery. Now, this king is talking about Antiochus' epiphany, read. At which time he spared not so much as those that admitted him into it on account of the riches that lay in the temple, but led by his covetous inclination. Now, it talks about the riches that was in the temple. We definitely want to get to that. But you can go back all the way to during the time of Solomon, the first temple when uh, Solomon built the temple and how he laid the walls with uh, gold and it had uh, all precious uh, manner of stones all throughout it. The temple's been on for that. Even um, during the reconstruction of the second temple that was uh, rebuilt by our brother uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, and all those brothers. So the temple's been known to, to have precious things and money. And money for that matter. We don't. For he saw there was in it great deal of gold and many ornaments that had been dedicated to it of very great value. So that, like I said, that would have been the second temple that was built uh, under uh, Ezra and Nehemiah. Read. And in order to plunder its wealth, he ventured to break the league he had made. So he left the temple bare and took away the golden candlestick and the golden altar of incense, and table of showbread, 
and the altar of burnt offerings and did not abstain from even the veils, which were made of fine linen and scarlet. Now, this was nothing new for the uh, Seleucid line. This is what they did. They were uh, temple robbers, and we definitely want to get into that now. And Esau still does this to this day, except you don't know them by that term, temple robbers. You know them by the term of archaeologists. This is what they still do. Read. He also emptied it of its secret treasures and left nothing at all remaining. And by this means cast the Jews into great lamentation, for he forbade them to offer those daily sacrifices which they used to offer to God. So all the sin offerings and the trespass offerings that you read about in uh, Numbers 28 chapter, I believe, he took away all of that. Read. According to the law. And when he had pillaged the whole city, some of the inhabitants he slew and some he carried captive together with their wives and children. Some of us he carried what? Captive. So... Slavery was big with the Greeks, and it was big also with the Romans. So us uh, coming over here on slave, was, slave ships was nothing new, man. They always made us slaves. Matter of fact, you can go back as far as um, the Assyrian captivity. And I remember uh, we used to have a, a icon of the Assyrians leading us into captivity. I don't know, Mashaba, I think Mashaba still got that. But it showed, and you could tell who, who was who, and it showed us uh, being drug away with chains around our necks, yokes of iron around our necks. And you can see the brothers in the portrait with the, you know, kinky hair. Like I said, you could tell who was who. But this goes hand in hand with Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter. It's not exclusive to just the transatlantic slave trade. This is how the Most High said he was going to deal with us, period, throughout history. We, we was going to be slaves. Read. So that the multitude of those captives that were taken alive amounted to about 10,000. How many? 10,000. That's a lot of people. Read. He also burnt down the finest building. And when he had overthrown the city walls. He said the finest building, the finest bu- building. It's talking about the temple. Now, remember, he wasn't a stranger to this. And the Edomites were not strangers to this. And I already went over this in the class how that the Macedonians were also known as the Amalekites. The Amalekites were Esau's sons. All right? So they're the Edomites, but they were no strangers to this. Hold this and give me uh, Psalms 137. I'm going to show you they were no strangers to burning down our temples. This is something they have been done. Psalms chapter 137. Again, we're going to couple this with uh, Obadiah too. Uh, Let me see. Verse 7. Psalm 137 and 7. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom. The children of who? Edom. The, the Edomites. Esau's, uh, Esau's lineage, also known as the Malachites, also known as the Macedonians, 
all them people one and the same, y'all. Read. In the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. Even to the foundation thereof. When it says raise it, raise it, it's talking about burn it, burn it. Now, listen to this right here, read. O daughter of Babylon. O what? Daughter of Babylon. The reason it says, O daughter of Babylon, because they were with the Babylonians. That's who the Edomites were with. They were not by themselves. They were with the Babylonians. They accompanied the Babylonians in the burning down of the first temple. This is why I called them the daughter of Babylon. And you look at all of their kingdoms, and all of their kingdoms are set up and rolled just like ancient Babylon. And I'm talking about all the uh, pantheon of gods that they worship, uh, centered around uh, Nimrod, Semiramis, Tammuz, all of that. This is why they're called the uh, daughter of Babylon, including modern-day America, which is an extension of the Greco-Roman Empire. Same people. Mm-hmm. Read that again. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed. All right. Now let's get it in uh, Obadiah. Let's start at um, verse 10. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob. Matter of fact, matter of fact, read verse 1. Then we're going to jump. The vision of Obadiah. Thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. Concerning who? Edom. Concerning Edom, Esau, the Amalekites, the Macedonians, all one and the same. All one and the same. So this book, this whole book is dedicated to them. Now jump over to verse 10. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee. Because remember, Esau and Jacob were twins, brothers. Read. And thou shalt be cut off forever. The Most High is so pissed about how he did us as being his blood relative. He said he's going to cut them off forever. Read. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces. Now, this is referring to what we just read in Psalm chapter 137. This was the Babylonians. He said, the day you stood by, and they carried away captive his forces, meaning us. Read. And foreigners entered into his gates. The Babylonians, read. And cast lots upon Jerusalem. Even thou wast one of them. What did he say? Even thou wast one of them. You was one of them. You was with them. Remember, we just read it in Psalms 137. Three. But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger. Neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. 
now this is how you also you know you're talking about the Babylonian captivity because the Babylonian captivity consisted of the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, and a lot of the Levites. Because the northern king was already gone during that time, which we refer to as the nine and a half or the ten tribes. Read. Neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Read. Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. So the Most High is still pissed about that. Now, going back to where we were in the Josephus, because that's why we went through all these scriptures to show that the uh, Edomites were not formed to destroying our temple and stealing what was in it. You got it? Yeah. And when he had pillaged the whole city, some of the inhabitants he slew, some he carried captive, together with their wives and children, so that the multitude of those captives that were taken alive amounted to about 10,000. He also burnt down the finest building, and when he had overthrown the city walls, he built a citadel in the lower part of the city. For the place was high and overlooked the temple, on which account he fortified it with high walls and towers and put into it a garrison of Macedonians. He put his own people in there because he himself was a Macedonian. Read. However, in that citadel dwelt the impious, excuse me, the, the impious and wicked part of the Jewish multitude. Us that, that had converted. Willfully converted. And we read about this last week. We read about Jason, and we read about other Israelites who went to the gym, the, the house of nakedness, and uncircumcised themselves. And we, we also went into the worship of Hercules, which is modern-day bodybuilding. So, like I said, it's nothing new under the sun, man. Those Israelites that converted to Hellenism. And what Hellenism is is what's still going on this day and time. This is why... When these niggas go off to college, what's the first thing they want to do? They want to pledge. And they want to pledge what? Greek. The whole Greek thing, the whole Greek way of life. It's nothing new, y'all. And niggas be really thinking they doing something, running around with them damn brands all on their arm. We was doing that way back then. Read it on. From whom it proved that the citizens suffered many and sore calamities. And when the king had built an idol altar upon God's altar, he slew swine upon it, and so offered a sacrifice neither according to the law nor the Jewish religious worship in that country. He also compelled them to forsake the worship which they, had, which they paid their own gods and to adore those whom he took to be God and made them build temples and raise idol altars in every city and village and offer swine upon them every day. So it wasn't just in the temple. These altars were put up all around Jerusalem and had us bringing sacrifice, swine's flesh, to all these altars. So this was the state that was, uh, that was Israel, what we was going through during this time. I'm trying to paint this mental picture so everybody can see this 
because we read uh, Maccabees, man, and we just think it's just a story without uh, bringing some realism to the story and trying to put ourselves in this situation during this time. Because it was basically like, hey, pick a side. You're going to be on the side of the Most High, or you're going to worship these uh, deities of the other nations and be like them. So you had not just us being persecuted by these Greeks being Hellenized, you are, we also had an internal war or an internal beef with each other that was going on. So we had a civil war as well as a, um, a um, I guess you could call it a, a, um, a who? A, nas- a national war. We had a civil war as well as a national war. I'm sorry, y'all. Hold on for a second. Sorry, y'all. This tea is running straight through me. Anyway, where we at? Can you pick back up in Josephus? Yeah, uh, back in the Josephus. He also commanded them not to circumcise their sons and threatened to punish any that should be found to have transgressed his injunction. He also appointed overseers who should compel them to do what he commanded. And indeed, many Jews there were who complied with the king's commands, either voluntarily or out of fear of the penalty that was denounced. But the best men and those of the noblest souls did not regard him, but did pay a greater respect to the customs of their country. And that was the resistance, also known as the Maccabean Revolt, which we're going to get into. Read. Then concern as to the punishment which he threatened to the disobedient, and on which account they every day underwent great miseries and bitter torments, for they were whipped with rods, and their bodies were torn to pieces, and were crucified while they were still alive they and breathed. Were, they were tor- This happened every day. And you see where it says they were crucified. So crucifixion was not just something that was did by the Romans. This was the, what the Greeks did also. Read. They also strangled those women and their sons whom they had circumcised. They strangled these women because they circumcised their sons. Now listen to this, read. As the king had appointed, hanging their sons about their necks as they were upon the crosses. So they they hung these women's sons 
by their necks. This is lynching. <laughs> There's nothing new under the sun, y'all. And this is this is just in Esau's spirit to do this. The, the lynchings that happened during the time of slavery, during the time of Reconstruction, nothing new. This is in their spirit. And mind you, it also says that this was the lynchings of the kids was going on while the women were hanging from what? Hanging from crosses. They were being crucified. I hope y'all seeing this. By the time we get to the Roman captivity, being crucified was nothing new. Read. And if there were any sacred book of the law found, it was destroyed. It was what? Destroyed. This is how Esau changes history, y'all. I hope y'all understand this. They burn books. They've been doing this. They're doing it now. But except they're not burning books now. <laughs> they're just getting rid of them. They probably is still burning them. Hell, I don't know. Or they just write history completely out of the books. No different than they got rid of all those Confederate statues that was around the country in America. Well, you had dumb niggas talking about, yeah, get rid of it. Not understanding that this is how they erase history. So now you can't go back and prove how demonic and racist they are, how they pride themselves on white supremacy. You can't prove it anymore because you destroyed the evidence, dummy. You were for them destroying the evidence. So now where your kids walk around like, oh, I'm truly equal in this country. Everything is fair in this country. Because you were on board with them destroying all the all their Confederate stuff. This is why they destroy books, because they understand that they're in power, so now they can rewrite the narratives. They've all, they destroyed the truth, burned the truth up, so I can rewrite history now to get you to believe what I want you to believe instead of what the truth is. Like what's going on in the Gaza. Same thing. Same thing going on in the Gaza script. Read. And those with whom they were found miserably perished also. Is that the end of that uh, paragraph? All right. Uh, now let's jump to, let's go to Second Maccabees chapter 3. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, let's go there. Second Maccabees chapter three. We're gonna start at verse. Um, let's start at verse one, y'all. We're gonna read this whole chapter too. So we have to get this uh, backdrop information to find out why the things we just read about in uh, the Josephus. Why these things even happen? Mm-hmm. All right, go ahead. Second Maccabees in the Apocrypha chapter three, verse one. Now, when the holy city was inhabited with all peace. And the laws were kept very well because of the godliness of Onias, the high priest, and his hatred of wickedness. It came to pass that even the kings themselves did honor the place and magnify the temple with their best gifts. It says even the kings. What, what king, read? Insomuch that Seleucus, king of Asia, of his own revenues, bear all the costs 
belong, belonging to the service of the sacrifices. Now, it tells us here <laughs> that the other nations and their kings worship and sacrifice to the Most High. I hope y'all seeing this. They might ask themselves, why would they do such a thing? I wasn't planning on getting this, but I guess I got to get it now. Let's get, uh, we're going to go back to the Josephus, y'all. And let me see. Page 307. Because remember, it talks about Sir Lucius, who uh, was one of Alexander's generals who got Asia. That's the piece of Alexander's kingdom that he took. Hold on, I'm looking for it. That's the one I'm looking for right there. So I ain't going to read all of this, y'all, uh, but I'm going to jump around. So we're in the Josephus once again, book 11, chapter 8, and paragraph 5. But we ain't going to read all of it. But this is what Alexander came into Jerusalem, and this is uh, some of the things that happened. I want you to read line 336. And when he had said this, to Parmenio and had given the high priest his right hand. Now that he is talking about Alexander, he gave the high priest his right hand, read. The priest ran along by him and he came into the city. And when he went up into the temple, he offered sacrifice to God. And well, who went up into the temple? This is Alexander actually going up into the temple of the Most High. And what did he do? He offered sacrifice to God. He offered up a sacrifice to the Most High. Read. According to the high priest's direction. And the, the, the high priest was there directing them the whole time. Read. And magnificently treated both the high priest and the priest. He treated us great. Read. And when the book of Daniel was showed him. He did. What did they show Alexander the Great? The book of Daniel. <laughs> Read wherein Daniel declared that one of the Greeks should destroy the empire of the Persians, he supposed that himself was the person intended. Now, remember, Daniel talked about Alexander in the eighth chapter of the book of Daniel. He called him the, um, the ego. <laughs> and then we read, we read, matter of fact, we got to get it. Let's get it. Hold on, y'all. It's Daniel chapter 8. 
Yeah, the rough goat. So Daniel chapter 8, and let's read verse 8 first. Therefore, the he-goat waxed very great. Matter of fact, hold this. I'm sorry, I know I'm jumping, but I want us to kind of get this in context because we ain't going to read this whole chapter, and it's not a full chapter breakdown. So read Daniel chapter 8 and verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appears unto me, even unto me, Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. So this is Daniel that got a vision during the reign of Belshazzar. So this is during the uh, Babylonian captivity. He gets this vision. Now jump over to verse 8. Therefore, the he-goat waxed very great. And when he was strong, the great horn was broken. And for it came up four notable ones, four winds of heaven. So this is talking about Alexander the Great. And then it talks about uh, the four notable ones. These were his four generals which got his kingdom. And you can read about that in the first book of uh, first, first Maccabees. Now I'm proving it. We want to just jump over. To verse, uh, let's go to verse 20. The ram which thou sawest, having two horns, are the kings of Media and Persia. And I brought this out last week. So all, all of the kings were portrayed as animals, including, read verse 21. And the rough goat is the king of Grecia. He's the what? King of Grecia. <laughs> now, who was the first king of Grecia? It would be Alexander the Great. All right? Alexander the Great. That's who he's talking about. Read. And the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. Is the first king, the first king of Greece. This is Alexander's empire, which we're reading about, the book of Daniel, and in the Josephus, where we just came from, where it says that the priest opened the book to Alexander and showed him in the book who he was. Read that part again in the Josephus. And when the book of Daniel was showed him, wherein Daniel declared that one of the Greeks should destroy the empire of the Persians, he supposed that himself was the person intended. No doubt. Read. And as he was then glad, he dismissed the multitude for the present. But the next day he called them to him and bade them ask what favors they pleased of him. So he called the priest to him and said, hey, what y'all want? (laughs) Read. Whereupon the high priest desired that they might enjoy the laws of their forefathers Mm -hmm. and might pay no tribute on the seventh year. So we asked that we could keep the law and that we wouldn't pay no tribute. This, This was our request to Alexander. Read. He granted all they desired. And he let us do it. You see, they didn't have no beef with us initially. Read. And when they entreated him that he would permit the Jews in Babylon and Media to enjoy their own laws also, he willingly promised to do hereafter what they desired. And when he said to the multitude that if any of them would enlist themselves in his army. Would do what? Enlist themselves in his army. So you had Israelites that was in the Greek army. I hope y'all are keeping this in mind as it pertains to the Maccabees. 
So who you think it was, and we're going to read about it, who Antiochus sent into Jerusalem to force converse the force convert or convert the Israelites. It would have been these brothers. <laughs> I hope y'all seeing this. Read. On this condition that they should continue under the law of their forefathers and live according to them, he was willing to take them with him. Many were ready to accompany him in his wars. And we fought alongside Alexander in his wars. When he was conquering, it was Israelites and his army. But before I want to get to, let's go back to Second Maccabees, chapter 3. And I want us to read verse 3 again, knowing what we got from the Josephus now. Read. Insomuch that Seleucus, king of Asia, of his own revenues, bear all the costs belonging to the service of the sacrifices. Matter of fact, read verse 2. It came to pass that even the kings themselves did honor the place and magnify the temple with their best gifts. Read. Insomuch that Seleucus, king of Asia, of his own revenues, bear all the costs belonging to the service of the sacrifices. You, you see how the nations, they know about the Most High, and they will be saying gifts for the sacrifice of the Most High, which we just read that Alexander sacrificed to the Most High. Now we're reading about one of his generals, Sir Lucius, who he gave a part of his kingdom to. He worshiped the Most High. Read on. But one Simon of the tribe of Benjamin, who was made governor of the temple, fell out with the high priest about disorder in the city. So we had beef amongst ourselves. And when he could not overcome Onias, he got him to Apollonius, the son of Thracius, who then was governor of Seleucia and Phoenice. So he couldn't uh, overthrow his brother. He needed help. And during this time, the high, the high priest, that position was levied. It was levied with money. And it was a, a position of power that the nations Specifically, the Greeks would use against us. Read. And told him that the treasury in Jerusalem was full of infinite sums of money. And you see what this nigga did? He went and said, man, they got a lot of money in the temple. They got all these treasures in the temple. Read. So that the multitude of their riches, which did not pertain to the account of the sacrifices, was innumerable. Read. And that it was possible to bring all into the king's hands. And he said, man, you know what? Antiochus would like this money. He would like these riches. Now, all of this, just because he wanted to become the priest, the high priest. Read. Now, when Apollonius came to the king and had shewed him of the money whereof he was told, the king chose out Heliodorus, his treasurer, and sent him with a commandment to bring him and foresaid money. So the king sent somebody to go get the money from Jerusalem, read. So forthwith Heliodorus took his journey under a color of visiting the cities of Seleucia and Phoenice, but indeed to fulfill the king's purpose. So his reasons for going to these cities, but he was just going to visit the cities and check the cities out, but he was really going to see the temple at Jerusalem and see about this money. 
that he had been told about. Read. And when he was come to Jerusalem and had been courteously received of the high priest of the city, he told him what intelligence was given of the money and declared wherefore he came and asked if these things were so indeed. So he made to Jerusalem, he asked the high priest, man, is this true that y'all got money in the temple? Read. Then the high priest told him that there was such money laid up for the relief of widows and fatherless children. He told him, yeah, but that money was for widows and fatherless children. Read. And that some of it belonged to Hyrcanus, son of Tobias, a man of great dignity, and not as that wicked Simon had misinformed. <laughs> Read. The wicked, the wicked Simon is an Israelite. Read. The sum whereof in all was 400 talents of silver and 200 of gold. Read. And that it was altogether impossible that such wrongs should be done unto them that had committed it to the holiness of the place and to the majesty and invaluable sanctity of the temple honored over all the world. So this brother Onias warned him that, man, we can't get this stuff away. We can't do that. That's wrong. Read. But Heliodorus, because of the king's commandment given him, said that in any wise it must be brought into the king's treasury. So he's like, I got to follow my orders. Read. So at the day which he appointed, he entered in to order this matter. Wherefore, there was no small agony throughout the whole city. The whole city was weeping and feeling some kind of way about this. Read. But the priests prostrating themselves before the altar in their priest's vestments called unto heaven upon him that made a law concerning things given to be kept that they should, they should safely be preserved for such as had committed them to be kept. Now, we're going to see the power of prayer in, in a minute. Read. Then whoso had looked the high priest in the face, it would have wounded his heart for his countenance and the changing of his color declared the inward agony of his mind. Because he didn't want to part with all those treasures and stuff that was in the temple because he knew it was going to a good purpose. Read. For the man was so compassed with fear and horror of the body that it was manifest to them that looked upon him what sorrow he had now in his heart. Read. Others ran flocking out of their houses to the general supplication because the place was like to come into contempt. And the women, girt with sackcloth under their breasts, abounded in the streets. And the virgins that were kept in ran, some to the gates and some to the walls. And others looked out of the windows. And all, holding their hands towards heaven, made supplication. We was praying. Read. Then it would have pitied a man to see the falling down of the multitude of all sorts and the fear of the high priest being in such an agony. Mm -hmm. They then called upon the Almighty Lord to keep the things committed of trust safe and sure for those that had committed them. Nevertheless, Heliodorus executed that which was... He followed orders. Read. Now, as he was there present himself with his guard about the treasury, the Lord of spirits and the prince of all power caused a great 
apparition, so that all that presumed to come in with him were astonished at the power of God and fainted and were sore afraid. Like I said, the power of prayer. When it talks about great apparitions, it's talking about a spirit. Read. For there appeared unto them an horse with a terrible rider upon him. This was a spirit. Read. And adorned with a very fair covering. And he ran fiercely and smote at Heliodorus with his forefeet. So he went and he kicked Heliodorus. Read. And it seemed that he that sat upon the horse had complete harness of gold. (laughs) Read. Moreover. Two other young men appeared before him. More spirits appeared. Read. Notable in strength, in beauty, and comely in apparel, who stood by him on either side and scourged him continually. So he had angels on both sides of him just beating him. He got beat down. Read. And gave him many sore stripes. Read. And Heliodorus fell suddenly unto the ground and was compassed with great darkness. But they that were with him took him up and put him into a litter. Thus him that lately came with a great train and with all his guard into the, into the said treasury, they carried out, being unable to help himself with his weapon. They had to carry this dude out because these angels beat him down so bad. Read. And manifestly they acknowledged the power of God. And they gave it up to the Most High. Read. For he, by the hand of God, was cast down and lay speechless without all hope of life. Without what? All hope of life. They beat this dude within the inch of his life. Matter of fact, they beat him dead, I believe. Read on. Then straightway certain of Heliodorus' friends prayed Onias that he would call upon the Most High to grant him his life who lay ready to give up the ghost. Also, he wasn't dead yet, but he was almost dead. They said, man, pray to your God. Read. So the high priest, suspecting lest the king should misconceive that some treachery had been done to Heliodorus by the Jews. Now, this this brother was smart. He like, man, I can't let this dude die. Because if he dies, then they're going to come in here armed up with an army to kill us. Read. Offered a sacrifice for the health of the man. Now, as the high priest was making an atonement, the same young men in the same clothing appeared and stood beside Heliodorus, saying, Give Onias, the high priest, great thanks, insomuch as for his sake the Lord hath granted thee life. They just told him, man, you better thank this dude, because it's only by him that you're going to stay alive, that we ain't going to kill you. Read. And seeing that thou hast been scourged from heaven, declare unto all men the mighty power of God. And I want you to testify. We leave you alive also so you can go testify and tell them they can't come in here and they just can't take this treasure. Let that go. And let's go to this book. Let's go to the Bible Atlas. We're going to go to page um, 182. Holman Bible Atlas, a complete guide to the expansive geography of biblical history. 
And I want you to start at 82, right? I want you to start right here. Page 182, Palestine under Seleucid rule. Antiochus III's victory in 200 B.C. over Ptolemy's over the Ptolemies caused most Jews to rejoice. Now, uh, we're reading about uh, Antiochus the Third. This is Antiochus Epiphanes' father. Now it says he, he had claimed victory over Ptolemy. Now Ptolemy was uh, one of Alexander's four generals that he divided his kingdom up to, but they was beefing because uh, the Seleucid dynasty or Antiochus the Third. He wanted to control uh, Ptolemy's territory in Egypt. So this is what's going on right here. So read that part again. Antiochus III's victory in 200 B.C. over the Ptolemies caused most Jews to rejoice. It caused most Jews to do what? Rejoice. Rejoice because, remember, they didn't have no beef with us. All right? And I know uh, we. I'm going back in time. And the reason I'm going back is so we can move forward, y'all, to understand a little bit more about Antiochus' epiphany and all the other stuff we're about to get into. So read on. The Jews were weary of the heavy taxes and oppressive bureaucracy of the Ptolemies. So the, the Ptolemaic dynasty was really taxing the hell out of us. Read. Antiochus rewarded their loyalty by granting the Jews the right to live according to their ancient tradition. Does this sound familiar? It's the same thing Alexander let us do. So this just goes to prove, man, if we're left alone to serve the Most High, we good. But when other people intervene, what always happens, man? Chaos. He remitted several taxes and assisted in the repair of the Jerusalem temple, evidently damaged in recent fighting. This dude paid to have the temple rebuilt. <laughs> you know. The early years of Seleucid rule over Palestine were peaceful and prosperous. Now this is the early years of Seleucid, and this, remember this is uh, Antiochus the third. Read. War with Rome. War with Rome changed matters quickly. Antiochus expanded westward into Greece in the in the 190s BC. So, Antiochus was going to war with Rome. Read. Where he caught the attention of Rome. Rome and Carthage had just finished an exhausting war, the Second Punic War, in which Hannibal rampaged across the Italian peninsula. Now, Hannibal which was a brother. Hey, I don't want to get too much into it, but they got a movie, uh, or I think has a movie coming out. I believe Denzel is supposed to play Hannibal. But um, they beefing about that too, talking about Hannibal was not black, but he was. So this is Hannibal, who um, Antiochus III had uh, inquired his help to fight against Rome. Read. When Antiochus invaded Greece in the company of Hannibal, Rome fought back. In Western Asia Minor at Magnesia in 190 B.C., Antiochus was beaten decisively. The Romans demanded a large sum of money and the forfeiture of all Seleucid claims in Asia Minor. 
So Rome warned and was like, hey, you got to pay us. Read. Antiochus III faced financial disaster and diminished power. He died in 187 B.C. How'd he die? While looting a temple. While doing what? Looting a temple. I told y'all. <laughs> this is nothing new. This is what Esau did. And what? what is his son about to do? Loot a temple. <laughs> this is how this dude died, robbing the temple to pay his debt to Rome. Esau still do this, rob temples. We know him by the term of archaeologists. Read. While looting a temple in his eastern provinces, attempting to secure money to pay his debt, Antiochus III left two sons as potential heirs to the Seleucid throne. The eldest, Seleucus IV, became king in 187 B.C. and ruled until his assassination in 175 B.C. Saddled with his father's debt to Rome, he increased taxes to pay the tribute and sanctioned plundering of temples in his kingdom. Y'all hear this, right? Read. Seleucus sent Heliodorus to Jerusalem to confiscate the temple treasury. This is what we're reading about right now. Read. The attempt failed, according to a story in 2 Maccabees chapter 3, when angelic beings intervened and forced Heliodorus to abandon his mission. Hope y'all see this. Now, let's read. Yeah, let's read a little bit more of this, then we're going to jump. Antiochus IV. Heliodorus murdered Seleucus IV in 175 B.C. Antiochus IV, a brother of Seleucus, who had been previously held as a political hostage in Rome, returned to Antioch to claim the throne. Now, remember it says he was held hostage at Rome. The reason he was held hostage there wrong, remember, his father, Antiochus III, had a debt to Rome, and he was working on paying that back. And they used Antiochus' epiphany as leverage to make sure daddy paid his debt to Rome. Read on. An ardent supporter of Greek culture, Antiochus took the typically Hellenistic title, Theos Epiphanes, God manifest. That's what his name means. God manifest. See how arrogant this dude was? But remember Caligula. He thought he was a god. Wanted to put his, himself up in Jerusalem, a statue. Read. The new king also was ambitious and dreamed of restoring glory to the Seleucid kingdom through expansion. Egypt was the most promising target since any move toward the west would invite Swift Roman retaliation. He was scared of Rome. Now, let's jump to the Apocrypha now. Uh, let's get First Maccabees chapter 8. First Maccabees wait, chapter 8. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me make sure this is That's right. Let's get this. Service uh, 1. First Maccabees, chapter 8, verse 1. Now Judas had heard of the fame of the Romans, that they were mighty and valiant men. Now this is Judas Maccabees. 
So he had heard about the fame of the Romans because the Roman legion was bad, man. You know, and like I said, America is the extension of the Greco-Roman Empire. And what was bad about Rome, like I said, was the uh, Roman legion. What's bad about America? It's their military. Same people. Read. And such as would lovingly accept all that joined themselves unto them. <laughs> Does this sound familiar? Don't America lovingly accept anybody that would join themselves unto them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it is what? You in. We don't. And make a league of amity with all that came unto them. We? And that they were men of great valor. It was told him also of their wars and noble acts, which they had done among the Galatians, and how they had conquered them and brought them under tribute. Because that, that's the, that was the practice of Rome. And as a matter of fact, it was the practice of all nations who were conquering. They would come and conquer you, then you have to pay them tribute, which is money. Money and uh, your precious uh, resources of your country. And then sometimes we would take hostage to make sure you pay the ransom. Make sure you pay what you owe. Read. Verse 3. And what they had done in the country of Spain for the winning of the mines of the silver and gold, which is there. See how the, the Romans were uh, conquering these different nations, different countries, different people. This is why when you watch the movie The uh, Gladiator, which I heard they put out a series coming out, uh, the movie The Gladiator, remember what they called Russell Crowe's character? They called him the Spaniard. He was a Spaniard, but he was in the Roman Legion. And we already read how Alexander had other nations in his armies. Same people, man. We don't. And that by their policy and patience, they had conquered all the place, though it were very far from them. And the kings also that came against them from the uttermost part of the earth till they had discomfited them. Mm Mm-hmm. And given them a great overthrow, so that the rest did give them tribute every year. Besides this, how they had discomfited in battle Philip and Perseus, king of the Sidims. Right, kings of uh, Kittims. This is talking about um, the (laughs) the areas of Greece and Italy. That's what Kittim is, what it says, the the Sidims. It's talking about Kittim, which is Italy. Read. With others that lifted up themselves against them and had overcome them. Read. How also Antiochus, the great king of Asia, that came against them in battle. This is what I want to get to. It's talking about Antiochus the third. Read. Having. Having an hundred and twenty elephants. With horsemen with, and chariots. Now, where he get these damn elephants from? Remember, who was fighting with him? Hannibal. Go back and read your history. Hannibal Barkis, man, he was known for having elephants in his, in his army. And you go back and read, you find out that he was Rome's most fierce opponent. He almost took the Romans down. And this was a brother. Read. And chariots. And a very great army was discomfited by them. Mm-hmm. And how they took him alive. They took Antiochus alive, read. And covenanted 
that he should he and such as reigned after him should pay a great tribute. Now this is why they was graves uh, temple robbing because they owe Rome this tribute money. Read and give hostages and that which and that which was agreed upon. So they had to give a hostage, and who was that hostage? Antiochus Epiphanes. Read and the country of India and Media and Lydia and of the goodliest countries which they took of him and gave to King Eumenes. Now, let's get this uh, Antiochus being their hostage. Let's go to First Maccabees now, chapter 1 and verse 10. First Maccabees 1, 10. And there came out of them a wicked root. So out of Alexander's four generals came out a wicked root. Who was it? Read. Antiochus, surnamed Epiphanes. Just a wicked root. Read. Son of Antiochus the king. Read. Who had been an hostage at Rome. Antiochus the fourth. Antiochus the Epiphanes was a hostage at Rome. And we just read that about the Romans, how they took hostage to make sure Antiochus III would pay his debt to Rome. Read. And he reigned in the hundred and thirty and seventh year of the kingdom of the Greeks. That wicked root, right? Now let's let's go to Daniel chapter eight now. We're gonna start at verse nine. Daniel chapter eight, verse nine. And out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed. Matter of fact, go to verse eight. Therefore, the he-goat waxed very great. Now, this he-goat, once again, is Alexander the Great. And you can read about that uh, in Daniel, the same chapter, verse 21. We already did that. But we just recap and read. And when he was strong, the great horn was broken. And for it came up four notable ones. Four notable ones. You can read about that in the book of First Maccabees, chapter 1. And let me see which verse it is. Verse 6. Verse 6. And all the way to verse 8. Read it on. And out of one of them came forth a little horn. A little horn, a little power. Read. Which waxed exceeding great toward the south. Uh-huh. And... He's also referred to as that a wicked root in First Maccabees chapter ten. Read. It says he waxed great toward the south, which was Egypt. Read. And toward the east, which was Asia. Read. And toward the pleasant land, Jerusalem, located in what they call Asia Minor. Read. And it waxed great, even to the host of heaven. And I covered this last week. There are two heavens, according to Second uh, Corinthians, chapter twelve and verse one through two. And this heaven is talking about rulers, rulership, power, and authority on earth. Read. And it cast down some of the hosts and of the stars to the ground. So it's talking about the Israelites, which are also known as the stars. You can see Genesis thirty-seven verse nine uh, through ten. 
as your reference. Hold on, let me make sure I got that right. Yeah, that's it. All right, reading on. And stamped upon them. And he stamped upon them, the 12 tribes of Israel, also known as the stars. Read. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host. And he magnified himself because we'll remember what his name means. God manifests. That's him manifesting himself as God. Read. And by him the daily sacrifice was taken away. And we already got how he took the daily sacrifice away. We read that in uh, the Josephus. And we're going to read it in the Apocrypha as well. Read. And the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And an host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of the transgression. The host is talking about army. So army was, was going out and patrolling Jerusalem against the daily sacrifice, which we also read in the Josephus. Read. We're going to get it again in Maccabees. Read. And it cast down the truth to the ground. And it cast down the truth to the ground. Remember, he was burning the Bible, which is the truth. Read. And it practiced and prospered. And his rulership practiced. His Hellenization prospered. Read. Then they heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice? Say, how long is going to be this when our people are suffering under the hands of Antiochus' epiphanies? Read. And the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary, and the host to be trodden underfoot. The transgression of the desolation is also the uh, what did Christ called the abomination of desolation. It's the same thing, y'all. So ask them, how long is this going to be? How long is this going to happen? Tying in the old, what we can know as the Old Testament into the Apocrypha. Now let's go back to the Bible Atlas. We're going to go to page 83, and I want you to read uh, Antiochus. The, 83? Yeah, this page right here. So you read the first paragraph. Read the rest of it. Antiochus the Fourth began an aggressive policy of Hellenization to unify his kingdom and prepare the way for an invasion of Egypt. In Jerusalem, a strongly Hellenistic pro-Seleucid party emerged that Antiochus favored. The king sold the office of high now, priest. hold on. Read that part again. In Jerusalem? In Jerusalem, a strongly Hellenistic, pro-Seleucid party. Uh, a strongly Hellenistic, pro-Seleucid uh, party. These were Israelites who willfully converted. And what did he do? Emerged that Antiochus favored. The king sold the office of high priest. He sold the office of high priest. Y'all see? how the high priesthood was used as a political tool. Mm-hmm. Read. To Jason, the brother of Onias III, who was the legitimate high priest. Jason was a thorough Hellenist who introduced Greek festivals and sporting events to Jerusalem. Now, we read about Jason last week in Second Maccabees chapter 4 about how he made uh, the Israelite brothers wear a hat, how he uh, requested of Antiochus' epiphanies and how to set up a place of exercise 
which he uncircumcised, we uncircumcised ourselves. We read about this last week. Like I said, Second Maccabees, uh, the fourth chapter. Read on. Young Jewish men received training in Greek ways at the gymnasia built in now, the, the city. The gymnasium, which means house of nakedness. It was built in the city. Now, it wasn't just built in Jerusalem. It was built in all the cities of Israel. Read. Second Maccabees 4, 7 through 17. In 172 B.C., Menelaus outbid Jason for the high priestly office. Menelaus was from a non-high priestly lineage. The sacred office of high priest became a political tool and source of revenue for Antiochus, while Jerusalem took on the trappings of a Greek city. These changes deeply distressed the more traditional elements of Jewish society. Antiochus attacked Egypt on two occasions between 170 and 168 B.C., he was on the verge of complete success when Rome offered him to withdraw from Egypt. You know, ordered him. Rome. Excuse me. Ordered him to withdraw from Egypt. He ain't want no smoke with Rome because, remember, they still owe Rome money. The Seleucid dynasty, dynasty still owe Rome money. And, remember, he had already been a hostage at Rome. And, as a matter of fact, his brother sent his son to replace his brother. <laughs> and I believe, what was his brother's name? Because you read about him in the Apocrypha too. I forget his name, but he replaced Antiochus Epiphanes. Read on. Unwilling to risk war with Rome, Antiochus retreated. News of his failure and a rumor that Antiochus was dead prompted Jason to attempt to reclaim the high priesthood. So he, this Ungodly wretch Jason heard Antiochus was dead, and this is when he, along with his little militia group, tried to go and retake the priest's office. And this is what kicked off the whole Maccabean revolt, as we're going to read. Read on. A move Antiochus interpreted as rebellion against the lucid rule. See, Antiochus thought that the Jews were rebelling because we had this civil war going on. And because he thought we were uh, rebelling, he sent in his army to force Hellenize us and to kill the rebellion. But all of this started because niggas was being niggas. Now, I want to be the man. Now, I want to be man. Now, my camp is the, is the truth. My camp is the way. Now, my camp is. Same stuff. It's nothing new under the sun, y'all. Read. Determined to ensure the loyalty of Palestine and secure his border with Egypt, Antiochus imposed restrictions on Jewish traditions and forced Greek customs on the Jewish population. An edict forbade the rite of circumcision and the observance of the Sabbath. A pagan altar dedicated to the worship of Zeus was built in the Jerusalem temple, the abomination of desolation. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 31, chapter 12, verse, 12, verse 11. Y'all can look that up on your own. As a sign of loyalty, Jews were required to offer pagan sacrifices. We were what? Required 
to offer pagan sacrifices. We were required to offer up these pagan sacrifices in in our temple to these pagan deities. And we was doing it. We was doing it. We was breaking the law. Exodus chapter 20. Read. Including the offering of swine flesh. Swine's flesh, which we were were even uh, forbidden to eat swine. That's going back to the dietary laws in Leviticus, the 11th chapter. I believe Deuteronomy, the 14th chapter. We were forbidden to even eat swine. Now we're offering swine up as a sacrifice to the Most High? This is how off we was. Now, I know it talks about the forced Hellenization, but remember, a lot of us was already uh, Hellenized by choice because we chose to be Hellenized. We chose to be like the other nation. No different than now, man. A lot of us have brought in to the American ideology, hook, line, and sinker. Read. Antiochus placed Seleucid troops in Jerusalem at a citadel known as the Acra. And he said he placed these troops. It's the same thing we're talking about in Daniel chapter 8 when it says he was given the mighty host. Those were the troops. Read. To ensure compliance to his edict, on two occasions, Seleucid troops plundered the temple on orders of the king. On two occasions. Is that it? Mm-hmm. All right. Now let's go to uh, Maccabees, 2 Maccabees chapter 5 now. And we're going to get the story we just read out of the uh, Bible Atlas. Start at, um, just start at verse 1. We might as well. Second Maccabees, chapter 5, verse 1. Same time, Antiochus prepared his second voyage into Egypt. And then it happened that through all the cities, for the space almost of 40 days, there were seen horsemen running in the air. So Antiochus Epiphanes is preparing his second voyage to go into Egypt. Now, the reason he was trying to take over Egypt was the same reason Rome wanted Egypt under their control. Egypt was known for all of its grains and all of its um, crops that it possessed. Once upon a time, it was the breadbasket of Rome. No different than the Midwest, this day and age, is the breadbasket of America. This is why Rome wanted to keep Egypt under their control, and they told Antiochus Epiphany IV, don't you go down there messing with Egypt. You don't want no smoke with us. Read on. Verse 2. And then it happened that through all the city, for the space almost of 40 days, there were seen horsemen running in the air in cloth of gold and armed with lances like a band of soldiers and troops of horsemen in array encountering and running one against another with shaking of shields and multitude of pikes and drawing of swords and casting of darts and glittering of golden ornaments and harness of all sorts. Mm-hmm. Wherefore, every man prayed that that apparition might turn to good. Apparition is talking about spirits, y'all. So this was going on in the spiritual realm before it even manifests in the realm of men. And I went over this, too, 
Uh, you remember back in Daniel chapter 10 where Christ told Daniel that, um, yeah, Christ told Daniel that the king of Persia had withstood him greatly. And this was the uh, Persian and me uh, kingdom fighting to stay in control of their realm and uh, rulership over the earth before the Greeks came in. But my point in saying all that is that things happen in the spiritual realm before they even take place in the realm of men. Read on. Verse 5. Now when there was gone forth a false rumor, as though Antiochus had been dead, Jason took at the least a thousand men and suddenly made an assault upon the city. And we just read this in the Bible, Alice. Read. And they that were upon the wall being put back, and the city at length taken, Menelaus fled into the castle. But Jason slew his own citizens. Jason did what? Slew his own citizens. You see this? The Civil War. This was us against us. He killed his own people. Read. Without mercy, not considering that to get the day of them of his own nation would be a most unhappy day for him. Meaning it's going to come back on you. You're going to get some real trauma some real drama from the Most High for you killing your own people. Read. But thinking they had been his enemies and not his countrymen whom he conquered. What was the saying they got? Uh, Kinfolk uh, ain't kinfolk? Kinfolk is not kinfolk. Read. Verse 7. How be it? For all this he obtained not the principality, but at the last received shame for the reward of his treason, and fled again into the country of the Ammonites. In the end, therefore, he had an unhappy return, being accused before Aretas, the king of the Arabians, fleeing from city to city. You see, he was a marked man. Everybody knew the treachery he had done to his own people. And the Most High was not going to let him downplay that. Read. Pursued of all men, hated as a forsaker of the laws, and being had an abomination as an open enemy in his country and countrymen, he was cast out into Egypt. Read. He ended up in Egypt. Read. Thus, he that had driven many out of their country perished in a strange land, retiring to the last of now, the Lacedaemonians are also known as the Spartans, and the Spartans were the Israelites. So he went and hid out with his own people. When it says a strange land, it just means that he had, he had never been there. So the land was strange to him, wherever the Lacedaemonians were at. Read. And thinking there to find succor by reason of his kindred. And he that has had cast out many unburied, had none to mourn for him, nor any solemn funerals at all. This dude died, read. Nor sepulcher with his fathers. Or unmarked grave. He deserved every bit of it. Read. Now when this that was done came to the king's ear. So when Antiochus Epiphanes heard this, read. He thought that Judea had revolted. He thought we revolted against him. Read. Whereupon, removing out of Egypt in a serious mind, 
he took the city by force of arms. Because remember, before this, the Seleucid dynasty was pretty much cool with us. They were worshiping in our temple and everything. But because of this nigga wanting to be the man, he started this ruckus and had Antiochus thinking that we had rebelled against his authority. Now he's got to come smash the city. Read. Verse 12. And commanded his men of war not to spare such as they met and to slay such as went up upon the houses. Thus, there were a ship of young and old making a way of men, women, and children, slaying of virgins and infants. And there were destroyed within the space of three whole days fourscore thousand. A score is 60. So he said four scores. What's 60 times four? 240,000 people. No, it's a thousand. There are uh, 4,000 were slain in the conflict. Or 40,000, sorry. Read. Wherefore, 40,000 were slain in the conflict, and no fewer sold than slain. Yet was he not content with this, but presumed to go into the most holy temple of all the world. Menelaus, that traitor, to the laws and to his own country, being his guide. Being his guide. Had another sellout nigga showing where the treasures were in the temple. So, y'all, that was the uh, 92nd mark, and we right at that time, and I think this is a good place to stop. So we're going to stop right here. I hope everybody got some edification from the class. Uh, if y'all got any questions concerning this class, concerning the news, uh, I just want to wrap to it, brother, man. You can hit me up at 314-482-9110. Uh, but with that, man, we're going to sign off, and um, hopefully, Lord willing, next week we'll be back. So until then, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please tune in to Taza Pop. Tuesday. Taza Pop. Tuesday. Taza Pop. Tuesday. Every. Tuesday. And with that, y'all, we're going to say shalom. shalom. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.